Welcome to the 10-Minute Top 10, a podcast series brought to you by the Georgia Partnership for Excellence in Education. Our goal is to spotlight research and policy content that informs the daily work of Georgia's education leaders. Today, we'll explore the role of Chambers of Commerce in supporting educational attainment and economic development. Cheryl Oldham is the Vice President of Education Policy at the U.S. Chamber of Commerce. Also joining us is Tim Carroll, the Metro Atlanta Chamber's Senior Director for an Educated Workforce. Cheryl and Tim will share how national, state, and local chambers can support greater alignment between education and workforce efforts. The Georgia Partnership covered this topic in Issue 9 of the 2022 edition of the Top 10 Issues to Watch. In the brief, the partnership described how state policymakers, education leaders, and the private sector can explore areas of joint investment to meet state and community workforce needs. So let's start with Cheryl. Will you please describe the U.S. Chamber's America Works initiative? You bet. Thanks. Uh, First, thanks, Matt, for having me and great to be here with Tim. Um, Yeah, so the U.S. Chamber, the uh, world's largest uh, organization representing the interest of business, um, workforce has been probably a top three issue now throughout the pandemic, but I would say even going back before. Um, But it really was when we uh, had a new CEO take over about a year and a half ago, and she really um, pointed to workforce as kind of one of her top uh, sort of issues for um, her sort of term coming into, uh, you know, a new CEO at the chamber and um, sort of laid out a vision, which is the America Works agenda. And it really was an effort to sort of bring all of the work of both the chamber and then the chamber foundation together under one roof and sort of provide kind of a um, uh, uh, an outline for folks on how to address these issues. So it includes a data center, which is um, really a great uh, resource and go, you know, sort of one-stop shop for analyzing, you know, what does the data look like in terms of the labor market right now, in terms of workforce shortages, um, and then some analysis around that data to help people really understand what it's saying. And it um, has been fantastic to really look at, uh, particularly this year, as the workforce shortage has just exploded um, and really digging into trying to understand why that is the case. The second piece of the of America Works is a policy agenda. So it really focuses on, okay, how do we now address uh, this issue of workforce shortages? How do we help Americans get the skills that they need? How do we overcome the barriers to work? Uh, how do we expand? Uh, how do we get people off the bench? How do we just expand the, the talent pool? Um, and then the third uh, bucket for America Works really is the um, programmatic work that uh, is done largely out of the foundation. And so I'm sure we'll talk about some of that, but it's sort of the employer-led initiatives that we have created on the foundation side that really help uh, the business community with some strategies for um, uh, for building those pipelines of talent and getting people into open and available jobs. So, Tim, one thing that you mentioned offline before we started this podcast was um, the extent to which the Metro Atlanta Chamber of Commerce partners closely with the U.S. Chamber. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, thanks, Matt. Um, 
The thing that I think I see the most alignment with how both the US Chamber and the Metro Chamber work is we start from a place of data, right? So we look at what is actually happening in the talent and workforce arena, sometimes within specific industries, and we ground ourselves there and then bring in business leaders that look through this data. So it's professionals at like the, all talent levels in our organizations and in our, our businesses that we serve. And that grounding of data has forges a lot of easy partnerships. So for the US Chamber and the workforce data that they put out, um, we can then learn from that data and the, what we're seeing at a national trend and bring it down to the local level. So we do the same exact thing just at the metro and state level. Um, and I think that that partnership and that grounding and data approach to tackling these big talent problems has been one of the most valuable um, one of the most valuable returns for us as a Metro Chamber and having this partnership with the U.S. Chamber. You know what? One thing I wanted to do is kind of pivot in a different direction and talk about how chambers can support state and national policy development, because in the same way that we're trying to get private sector more involved in the supply side, we also understand that um, there are some pathways that are uncertain. And is there a way we can kind of stack skills and credentials together to really um, support personal well-being as well as economic development. So if you'd like to answer that, um, or even Tim could kind of opine on that as well. But uh, I guess the question is, what can we do to energize policymaking in this area as well? Well, I'll start from kind of the federal perspective, and I'm sure, you know, Tim will know way more than I do. But I will say one of the things is, you know, the federal footprint and all of this, I think, is not huge, right? Particularly on the education side, the federal footprint is not, um, is, is fairly small by comparison. Uh, maybe in workforce, it's a little bit more, and I think maybe even getting a little bit more just in terms of dollars and focus. We've seen, um, you know, considerable dollars um, flow uh, since the pandemic from the American Rescue Plan into the Department of Commerce, um, standing up grant programs to um, uh, get money into communities uh, to actually, you know, really focus on getting uh, Americans into jobs. And so there's been a little bit more, but it, just in terms of, you know, I think having, waiting for Congress or really trying to, to focus on sort of the the federal level to to get at some of these issues is going to be a, a bit of a fool's errand because the the politics are what they are and um, getting anything done right now is 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 really really um, difficult. So I think we have to work within what we have. I do think that chambers, um, state and local regional chambers, are you know some of the most important advocates at the federal level, like when we do go to Congress to, you know, reauthorize a, a piece of legislation or advocate for something. I mean, that federation of state and local chambers are some of the most important uh, people that that Congress wants to hear from. So I can't sort of, you know, overstate the importance of, of what Tim and his colleagues and so many across the country do to to try to influence federal legislation. But I do think probably the most, you know, sort of bang for your buck or action is more at the at the state 
and local level. Yeah, and I think Cheryl hit it right on the head about um, the way I, I was thinking about it as you were talking, Cheryl, was the the balance that you, um, what is the old saying? That like there is no one person coming to save you. Like it, it's, it's a team that has to come. So you've got to have, if you want to tackle a big issue, whether it's childcare or talent management, you've got to have all the levers firing. You got to have the business community self-organized and you got to have state and local chambers engaged at the local level. You got to have state and local and national folks at the federal level. Like it all has to be pointing in the same direction. Um, I think it's super um, helpful, particularly at the local level too, to be open with your aggregate data. So when you have these data reports on, on talent, on childcare, on anything that you've gotten, make it, open and, and available. I will say that that has probably gotten us so far on the policy realm. And at the federal level with a national level with the US Chamber, I love that I can go to their website and just pull down reports and I can read through them and it's the graphs are there, it's laid out nicely. Like there's, there's a method that we have tried to replicate of that style of work of being very open, keep everything as public as possible, particularly for all the aggregate data. Um, and then uh, the other thing I would say relative to that is how we use the data, um, I think is super important because Cheryl and the team at the US Chamber, of course, do a lot of work around federal policy and they're very open with that. Where we go with it is we then bring those things down to almost an industry level and they use an example, you know, when we had a gap here around fintech and the real need to up our game with our economics and business majors and our two and four year degree programs to say we want to give them a leg up so that when they're coming into a financial technology industry that they're ready to go and um, what we came up with was the Nexus degree, which is a, just an overlaid program on top of a student's minor that gives them um, the bridge between an economics class or a business, uh, a business management class or accounting class into financial technology and how their various systems work and interact. Very simple like overlay, but if you think about like the process from data to convening employers to working with education partners and then going into the gap, right? Which is we need this extra little thing that is going to improve the pipeline. And so now there are thousands of students that have added that on and then have an entree to financial technology industry that didn't exist before. But I'll use that as an example of how we sort of take a we take a national perspective, bring it local, and then keep applying it all the way down the talent system. And that local perspective could not be more important when we're talking about workforce and job openings and you know we we talk a lot or there's a lot of organizations up here in Washington and they're talking about you know what are the industries that are you know where are the jobs where are the and it just that might be helpful frame and context in a lot of places I think it's probably pretty you know clear that there's you know we've got you know a million cybersecurity positions open in this country and they're probably um and that's probably an industry that is um uh that where no matter where you are in the country there are jobs available but that's not the case for everything and so i think what tim's saying is so important is is that the ability of of uh chambers and other organizations to really dig down into the local um, to, to really dig down and then surface and be transparent about 
you know, what does it look like in the metro Atlanta area? Because, you know, the, the openings there might be different. You know, the shortages are going to be different there than they are in Phoenix or someplace else. And so, um, and, and I'll tell you, like, people are constantly looking for that better, more accurate, more targeted, more industry specific data. Um, because that's how you create the solutions, right? When you know exactly what it is, um, instead of sort of at this kind of national, more, you know, uh, holistic picture. Well, it sounds like even though we haven't solved the problem that there are actors in this ecosystem that are um, <clears throat> able to recognize the root cause and be able to kind of work um, more significantly and more in depth with our um, education and community partners. And so this is really fascinating work and maybe work that something that people would know about. Thanks again for joining us, Cheryl and Tim. You've just listened to the 10 Minute Top 10, a policy-oriented podcast from the Georgia Partnership for Excellence in Education. Join us again soon as we speak with state and national experts about topics highlighted in the top 10 issues to watch.